First of all, I'm not trying to be Mr. Hollywood today, but this sun is really quite bright. And I thank you, God. What a day. What a day. Give God a hand on this one. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, I once heard or read that uh, someone said this quote, never to a priest or a preacher, never go into the pulpit without the gospel in one hand and the LA Times in the other. <laughs> and I think it's really true um, because when we get the news of what's going on and we hear uh, in so many multiple layers what is happening in our world and to one another, uh, it, we, we see the blending of the gospel with the reality of our lives and hope that the gospel touches this and changes it and this touches the gospel and is infused with grace and spirit. So this morning I was reading the LA Times and I'm going to say I think the third page there was a full-blown, full-page manger scene uh, and then it said, uh, you know, Merry Christmas and it, and it quoted from the scriptures and it took the quote from the Mass of... Uh, the Mass of the Night. This was taken from Isaiah and it started, the people in, who walked in darkness have seen a great light and it opens up that passage beautifully. But as it gets down further, this is what it says. For a child is born to us, a son is given us, upon his shoulder dominion rests. And then listen to this description of this child. There. <laughs> they name him Wonder Counselor, God Hero, Father Forever, Prince of Peace. They name him Wonder Counselor, God Hero, Father Forever, Prince of Peace. And then it came to me, because I, I knew what I was going to basically say today, but um, this image just popped into my mind. This happens all the time. And I thought of a delicious uh, chunk of chocolate candy. I like chocolate. And, um, and I thought of one that, that uh, just looking at it, I said to myself, mmm, I bet there's something else inside this. So with great care, I take a little bite out of this dark chocolate, and it is luscious. And it just fills me with this delight at this dark, delicious chocolate, only to reveal that underneath it is some white chocolate. And I say, oh, God, it, it can't get any better than this. So I carefully bite into this delicious vanilla white chocolate, and, and I say, sweet Jesus, you've done it again. This is, oh, my God. There's a cherry at the center. So then I bite into this cherry and I just about melts. And then I say, that's it. And I pop the whole thing in and just get thrilled. That's the word of God to me today. That's that, that listing of names, uh, you know, that this kind of like um, layers of who is this Jesus? Who is this child? Now, all through the first three Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we hear references to Son of Man and Son of God. And that doesn't mean what it means in John's Gospel. Uh, that was a, a term, it was a title that, that prophets and other people uh, used to describe their closeness to their God. We're, we're Son of God, we're Son of Man. Uh, we went from John's Gospel backward 
and, and assumed when that was said that he was describing himself as the second person of the Blessed Trinity. But we don't get that until we get John. And John is like this candy that I just described that you bite in layer after layer after layer. It's the most exquisite. It's the most exquisite theological description of God, of Jesus, that I can think of in the, in the scriptures. And, and just, just opening the very first layer in the beginning was the word. Hear that. In the beginning. And so we all say in our faith that God has no beginning. But if there were a beginning, the word was there. Because the word was with God, and then John blows it out of the water. Because the, the, the word was with God, and the word was God. And so for the first time in Scripture, we get this description of God in Jesus and that Jesus and the Father are one. They are the same. They are of the same time they always were, they always are, and will be. John keeps opening this up and revealing to us that this God, the Word, who was with God because he was God, was sent into the world. And then we begin to get the powerful meaning of this Christmas. Now, um, I mentioned it a few weeks ago, but uh, I've shortcutted things out here, you know, because this is just different being out here. And, and so when I bring the uh, wine over that I've already placed in the chalice instead of pouring it in at the altar, I'm supposed to put a drop of water in. I, I, I just haven't been doing it. I know, notice, nobody has missed it, I don't think. But I think of it every single day because I'm not doing it. Okay, and if somebody asks, I say, well, you can put it in before, whatever. But the reason it is so significant, it's one of the prayers that the priest says silently, and this is why most people probably don't even know it exists. But when the priest puts it in the chalice, that drop of water, he's supposed to say this, by the mystery of this water and wine, may we come to share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. It's the opening prayer of the Mass today. O God, who wonderfully created the dignity of human nature and still more wonderfully restored it, grant, we pray, that we may share in the divinity of Christ who humbled himself to share in our humanity. And it just is, is the same reflection in a few more words. But this is what it's trying to say, and this is the nugget that this is. When we go through the Bible and start with the first book of the chapter of Genesis, we're reading a story. We begin with a story, and, and I believe it is just a story. It's not a literal Adam and Eve in the garden. I'll tell you why. Because in the scripture, 17th chapter of Genesis, we have Abraham, who historically in the Bible is spoken as the first person to meet this God. God reveals himself as God to Abraham. And so, uh, in all of the Old Testament scriptures, the Jewish scriptures, and they're the ones who have the story of Adam and Eve. We didn't write it, the Christians, the Jews. And in their story, they always refer back, not to Adam, our father in faith, but to Abraham, our father in faith. That's the title they gave Abraham, our father in faith. So it is safe to say that Abraham is the beginning of the Jewish faith, and the knowledge of this God that we call God our Creator and God our Father. 
And then they say, just like every religion, every culture, even indigenous Indians all around the world, if you ask them, well, how did we get here? They'll come up with all kinds of things. Some say we came out from under a rock. Romulus and Remus say in Rome, they say in Rome that Romulus and Remus, Remus were sucking at the teats of a she-wolf. That's how Rome began. There's stories for everything. There, there are fables that are trying to capture more than a literal truth, but a reality of that we come from somewhere and there's some meaning to our coming into this world. So we get in the stories before Abraham an explanation of who we are and why we are in the condition that we are, we are in. Now the very first chapter of Genesis says how good God is and how he made us in his image and likeness. And that's, we're the only ones he says that, the, the book says that. It names all the animals, the plants, all the stars and the moon and everything. But it says on the sixth day when he made us, he looked at us. And not like every other thing that he made and said is good. It was good. It was good. When he looks at us, he says, it was very good. We were very good because we were made in his image and likeness. And we are placed in this garden, lush garden of life. With only one request, don't eat of one tree. One tree, don't eat of it. And when tempted, they fell. And this is the explanation of why we are broken in sin. Because we couldn't obey, we're disobedient. And we were arrogant enough through Eve and then Adam, arrogant enough to think that we could be like God or equal to God. So John tells us we needed some salvation. We needed a little help. And God promised he would send a Messiah who thought that Messiah would be God himself? The Son of God, the Word. The Word that always was the, with God and the Word that was God. And that Word, the Christ, the Messiah, entered into the world through Mary in the person of Jesus, the human Jesus. So divinity became human, and in that interchange or exchange, humanity was once again able to become divine. First of all, our humanity was restored. We were given a Jesus who could die on a cross and forgive those who were hating and killing him. He could actually say words of forgiveness. Father, forgive them all. They know not what they do. That's humanity to the max because it was infused so deeply with divinity. And in this human divine person, of such excellence, we find salvation. This is why, as a people of God and as a church, as a Christian church, we are asked to reflect on this again and again. Not just this baby Jesus, but that cross on which he would hang. Because this human divine connection is what is supposed to and has the potential to do to fulfill us and to make us divinely human, not just human. And good Lord, an atheist can be wonderfully human. I mean, there are some atheists that are much finer people than Christians. There are atheists who would never hurt a flea because they say, hey, we don't have a lot of time on this earth. We better be good. But they don't have that divine spark, at least in an explicit way, that we believe in. We say, 
this word of God came down from heaven, out of heaven, through heaven, into our planetary life to infuse our humanity with a deeper humanity and actually to make it divine. So today, as we celebrate the birthday of Jesus Christ, the word of God that came into our humanness to make it divine. Let us not forget the other half of the equation, which is, in a sense, even richer. We've all been invited through our humanity to become divine. We've been able to reach out to this Christ, take this Christ by the hand, and let this Christ lead us to a whole new way of seeing life, a whole new way of living. And as we do that, we, we baptize people into that. We renew that baptismal promise and those promises again and again and again and again and again so that we not only never forget it, but so that we grasp it in the way that it actually transforms us and gives us the opportunity to live anew.